And Mary responded to his call. And I love that. He's calling for you. And she quickly arose and went out to meet him. As Mary came to where Jesus was, those who followed her thought, well, she's going to mourn at the tomb. They didn't understand what Mary was actually doing. I think it's a beautiful picture of those who respond to the call of Jesus often bring others into the presence of Jesus. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to look at the resurrection and the life, John 11, verses 1 through 44. And we're going to break it down into four sections. He whom you love, verses 1 through 16. He shall live, verses 17 through 27. See how he loved him, verses 28 through 37. And loose him and let him go, verses 38 through 44. Let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless the teaching of his word. Thank you, Father, for this day you've given us, a day that we can gather together and to worship you and to look into your word. We thank you, Lord, for John who took time to record your story and the story of our Savior Jesus through the empowering of your Holy Spirit Lord as you work through John then I pray as it's already been prayed here today that your Holy Spirit would work through us as we look into your word this morning help us Lord to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this church we pray this day in the name of Jesus amen and so Martha went out to Jesus verses 21 through 24 Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you've been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. So Martha, unable to wait until Jesus got there, she came and she informed Jesus of his missed opportunity. Lord, if you'd only been here. You know, she was speaking and really expressing from her limited human knowledge. Really, what was logical? Lord, if you'd been here, you would have lived. And so I believe when she went on to say, but even now, whatever you ask, God will give you. I don't think she was expressing that Jesus was going to bring him back. In fact, she says, I know he will live in the last days, in the resurrection of the last day. 
but she was believing that Jesus would do whatever's best in the given situation. All she needed to do was believe. Martha and Jesus, they were really on different wavelengths. Jesus referring to Lazarus' resurrection on that very same day, and Martha thinking about the resurrection of the last day. Paul had the same hope when he declared to Felix in Acts 24, 15, I have hope in God, which they themselves, talking about the Jews, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust, the resurrection of the last day. The Jews and Christians have this hope that one day we will stand before the Lord in the resurrection of the last day. So we go on, verses 25 through 27. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me, he shall never die. Do you believe this? And Martha said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Here's the fifth I am declaration. And it speaks about Jesus' power to give life to whoever believes in him, to everyone who believes in him. I am the resurrection and the life. And though he, though she may die, he, she will live. Speaking of that last day when we'll stand with the Lord. Again, believers, when they die in the New Testament, talking about sleep, Paul would write in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. You know, transformation is at the heart of the resurrection. Transforming lives now as we live upon this earth, but also in the future as we go to be with Jesus. John wrote in 1 John 5, 11 and 12, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. It's through faith in Jesus that death becomes the way by which we are ushered into eternal life. It's hard when we lose a loved one, but if that loved one is a believer in Jesus Christ, it's so much easier. I can tell you as a pastor, I have an easier time doing a funeral service for someone who is a believer than someone who is not a believer. In both services, I'll preach the name of Christ and that there's faith through Jesus Christ. But if I know that the individual is not a believer, you will never hear me say, well, they're in a better place now. I won't say that. I'll hear people say that. Friends and family will say, I won't correct them. I won't try to get into a debate at that moment. It's not the time. But I'll just preach the truth and the love of Christ. Because I know that that person has made their choice, their decision, they're gone. But there are the living that are among us that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so there's opportunity while we live. 
Death for us becomes the means by which we're ushered into the presence of Christ. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And although Martha believed that Jesus was the Christ who is to come, that in the Greek literally means the coming one. I believe that you are the coming one. She did not understand all that Jesus had planned for her and her family at that moment, at that time. And that's the truth for all of us. Faith is not just about the there and then, about going to heaven one day, but it is about the here and now and how we live our lives this day. Well, we get into the third section, verses 28 through 37, and we begin with Jesus calling for Mary, verses 28 through 32. It says, and when she had said these things, she went to her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, and said, the teacher has come and he is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, Mary arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And then the Jews who were with Mary in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. And then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. Mary said the same thing that Martha said. We get this preconception that we understand exactly how the Lord should minister in our lives, don't we, at times? And we all do it. And we all say the very same thing sometimes. It's like, yeah, I just heard that from your sister, Martha, there. <laughs> I had to correct her on it. I'm going to correct you as well. But here we find Mary at the feet of Jesus. As I said, whether in Luke 10, John 11, or John chapter 12, each time we meet Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus. Mary, the worshiper. She calls him teacher. It means to teach or to instruct. But he's not just any teacher. She understood like Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night. As he said in John 3, 2, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Not just any teacher, but one who had come from God. And Mary responded to his call. And I love that. He's calling for you. And she quickly arose and went out to meet him. Do you know that Jesus has called, I believe, multitudes of people who have never responded to his call? But here's the thing. As Mary came to where Jesus was, those who followed her thought, well, she's going to mourn at the tomb. They didn't understand what Mary was actually doing. And here's the beauty of this. I think it's a beautiful picture of those who respond to the call of Jesus often bring others into the presence of Jesus. They thought, oh, she's going to the tomb. We'll go with her there to mourn there. They used to have professional mourners. The louder you mourned, tradition taught, the greater you loved the individual. So they would actually hire professional mourners to come. And to cry out, and perhaps some of these were professionals there hoping to get paid. I'm not sure. But I love it. She went out and responded to the call of Jesus and brought others into the presence of Jesus. You know, there's a lot of Mary and Martha types in churches today, and I believe we need them both. We need Martha the worker. 
we're having a picnic after church. Need some help flipping burgers and hot dogs and kitchen duty and all that and cleaning up. I mean, we need those types. But also we need those who are willing to sit at the feet of Jesus. And here's the problem. And I think this is one of my greater problems. I like to work. And I'll busy my hands when sometimes the Lord is saying, John, you need to just sit still for a while and worship. It's like, Lord, there's work to be done. I know, but you need to sit still. Be, be still. What's it say? Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we need to be working for Jesus. And other times we need to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. The women, when Jesus resurrected from the grave in Matthew 28, 9 and 10, he said to them, go tell the disciples, the angels said, go tell the disciples that he has risen. As they made their way to tell the disciples, they met Jesus. And in Matthew 28, 9, it says, rejoice. So they came and they held him by his feet and worshiped him. And that's how it should be for us, that we should come to the feet of Jesus and to sit and to commune and to be ministered to, that we might go out and serve in strength. I think sometimes we serve until we have no more strength because we haven't been replenished in the right way at the feet of Jesus. In verses 33 through 37, we find that Jesus groaned and was troubled. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. You know, when we started doing our memory verses, this was the very first one. John eleven thirty five. I wanted to get that one out of the way. If you can't get that one down, you're in trouble. Shortest verse in the Bible, by the way. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? They all had the same thing on their mind. Martha said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. The people said, if he'd only been here, Lazarus would not have died. But why did he groan in the spirit? Why was he troubled? Why did he weep? I think partly because we serve a savior in Hebrews 4.15. It says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He came in the likeness of man. He felt our emotions. He groaned, was troubled, and wept. Also, I believe he did this because he saw the cost of sin. Romans 5.12 tells us that just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men. Because all have sinned. He saw the price of sin. That death was the cost of that sin. But Isaiah 53.3 reminds us, Though he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, we hid our face from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. He was acquainted with our griefs. He felt the pains that we felt. Jesus' great love is seen through his ability to sympathize, I believe, in our weaknesses. And then we close out verses 38 through 44, picking up, take away the stone, verses 38 through 40. 
Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was laid against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by now there is a stench. King James, he stinketh. I've always liked that part in the King James. Lord, by now he stinketh. For he has already been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, there's another thing at play here. Not only did they wrap him in grave clothes and uh, have the myrrh and the aloes, 100 pounds that they would use for Jesus, they would put lime around the bodies to help it quickly decompose. Because what they did was customary for them was to allow the flesh to strip from the bones and then to take the bones out and bury the bones. Much smaller space needed to bury bones than it is to bury a whole body. And so they would help things speed along. So that could have been at play here as well, their burial customs at their time. But I think another reason Jesus groaned and was troubled because he knew what he was about to do. Lazarus was in paradise. He was awaiting for the work of the Messiah to die upon the cross, but he was in paradise. Not that I don't believe this is the same Lazarus and the rich man that Luke told about in Luke 16, 22, but it does tell us when the beggar died that he was carried by the angel into Abraham's bosom. And so Lazarus was already in a good place, and he was about to be brought back only to die again. You know, I'm glad that the Lord brought my dad back. Not that he ever died on the table, but he had heart surgery and he lived again that he might serve the Lord even greater than he did before having that stroke. So I'm glad that sometimes the Lord brings us back that we can serve the Lord, but he was bringing him back that he would only merely die again in the future. Paul said in Philippians 1 verses 23 and 24, I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Let me tell you, I'd rather be with Jesus. But he goes on to say, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And I believe that's what was going on here. It was more needful for the people that Lazarus would come back at this time. And although Martha protested, like Martha, sometimes we need to be reminded of the promises of God. Jesus said, didn't I not tell you? Sometimes we need to be reminded of those promises. Second Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So it was, verses 41 through 44. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by this place, that they may believe that you have sent me. Now, when he had said this, he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him. And let him go. 
Next week, we'll pick up in verse 45, and it will tell us that some believed as a result of this. Others did not believe. We'll get into that next week. But I want us to see just a few things as we close out here. Is that Jesus connected this miracle to his father, God, in order that the others who were witnessing this event would have this confirmation that they might believe. Jesus said, Lord, I know that you hear me, but I'm praying out loud that they will know that you hear me. In fact, in John 10, 37 and 38, Jesus saying, if I do not the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and that I am in him. They had said in John 9, 31, we know that God does not hear sinners. If anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. We know that God doesn't hear sinners. Jesus prays, Father, I'm praying out loud right now because I know you hear me. I'm not praying this for my benefit. It's for their benefit, that they might believe that you have sent me and that you have heard me. That they might believe the purpose of the work of Jesus in our life is to bring faith. And therefore, this miracle was not for the sake of Jesus, but for the people's sake. John would write in John 20, 31, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Augustine is quoted as saying, if Jesus hadn't said, Lazarus, come forth. If he would have merely said, come forth, all the graves would have emptied out. He had to be specific on that one. But he came out bound hand and foot, a, a napkin, grave cloth covering his face. One of the commentators, I don't know if I can take it this far. I don't know how to picture this. I read about how they bound Jesus up in these linen strips and 100 pounds of aloe and myrrh and spices, and I, I just don't know how he could even walk. One of the commentators said that he levitated out. He was floating. I don't know if I can go that far. I don't know if I can think of a Bela Lugosi uh, mummy kind of walking out of the tomb, if I want to go there either, but it had to be a pretty awesome sight. Maybe he was hopping out. That's the best I can picture. I don't know if they individually wrapped each leg. I think they would like a mummy just bind it all together, and maybe he did have to hop out. Maybe it translated in the Greek, Lazarus, hop forth. It doesn't say that. But he came out. But here's the thing. Jesus said, loose him and set him free. That's the work of Jesus. See, we get bound up in our sin in this world, and it restricts us, just as Lazarus. He was living he came out of the grave just as Jesus said, but he was bound up by the grave clothes and he needed to be set free. And in this life, we get bound up by the sins of this world and Jesus has come to set us free. It's the voice of Jesus that says, loose him, loose her, and he is able to set us free. As it says in John eight thirty six. If the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. And it's only Jesus who's able to set us free from the bondage of sin. So we've seen in this message, the resurrection and the life, John 11, verses 1 through 44. 
he shall live. You know, faith is just a reminder for us today. Faith is not merely about the there and then when we get to go to heaven one day. But it's about the here and now and how we conduct ourselves and live for Jesus Christ this day. In verses 28 through 37, they said, see how he loved him. And Jesus's great love, I believe, is seen by his ability to sympathize with our weaknesses. And we need to remember that because we come to the Lord bound up sometimes with just great sorrows to remember that he sympathizes with our weaknesses. He understands. He knows our grief. He's bore our pain. There's only one who is able to set us free, and it's Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it. I am the resurrection and the life. And those who believe in me, though he may die, he shall live. Father, I pray that you would help us to know that. And if there are those, Lord, who have just kind of bound up with life and sin and just need that to come to you and to hear you say, Loose him and set him free. Loose her and set her free. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our midst today, that we might be set free and know the life that you have intended for us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.